Hi, and welcome everyone to the 126th episode of CM Rocks. Today we have Lisa Crosby from Barhead Solutions to talk about Copilot for Power Ups. But first, hello Heidi, the cat dresser, Newhouser. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Life's been lifing pretty hardly. Okay. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. So, so I've seen you put a, a, a cone on your cat. Is that something you do regular or just for fun? Oh, we dress up our cats. We're like total dorky cat owners. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, right. That was our cat's birthday. That was actually a birthday hat. Oh. So do you have any news for us on the uh, connectors side? Oh, Gosh, I'm not ready for that one. I didn't even have it up. I am honestly a bit behind because I have been really diving into the co-pilot and open AI stuff. So I took my attention off of Power Automate connectors for a hot second. Lots of <laughs> new stuff, though. Tons of independent connectors popping up, but I will fix time for you. All right, then. So everyone who's listening, don't forget to send uh, Heidi a tweet. She is uh, at Serum Heidi. I am at Marcus Alanson. So send us a tweet and tell us how we're doing. And now let me formally introduce Lisa Crosby is known for her contagious enthusiasm for low-code technology, Power Platform and Dynamics 365, and for helping people understand what's possible in business applications. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you very much. It's Heidi. Hello. Hello. I like that contagious enthusiasm. I do feel like I should change. I will get you excited about CRM. It's <laughs> 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 pretty much a short version of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So you label as a technology and sorry, technology evangelist and advisory. What is it that you do? Yeah. So essentially, it's all the things related to helping customers here at Barhead understand what's possible with Dynamics 65 Power. So sometimes that is traditional pre-salesy type things, but mostly the customer thing side of that. So the, the demo pre-sales workshops and the increasingly, you know, customers who are, I don't even know what I don't know. Can you get that out? Sometimes that's uh, actual sort of consulting engagements around workshops or even post deployment going back and what's your next thing? Where else can you go? Where's the roadmap going? So it's a very highly job, but it's essentially very customer facing, understand, functionally put the pigger out what, what, and I love it. How did you get started with so. Dynamics 365? Oh, like everybody else a little bit by accident. I'm not sure if there's a space who woke up one morning and said, this is what I'm going to do. So I had a, a long career before this in book publishing and I was a sales and marketing manager, head of sales and marketing, but I always had a technical interest. And so in an industry like book publishing, there are very few. So I would always put my hand up every time there was a tech project and we had a very old CRM system and I was always trying to make it better and then ended up the consultants we were working had a very good forward vision in about 2013, I think it was, and said, you know what, Microsoft Dynamics is something you should look at. And so I ended up implementing internally uh, and then ended up going to work for that. Yeah. That's a fun story. My career before Dynamics was also in marketing. I wonder how many people take that path. There we go. Yeah. So for me, I we implemented both a sales and marketing system. A story for another time, but I did actually have a not the best day of my version of dynamics marketing. <laughs> it's come a long way since then. I, I'm delighted to talk about marketing now, but uh, I, I was there yeah. in those days. <laughs> so what is called Copilot? That's not only a GitHub thing. It is not only a GitHub thing. It is a thing for everyone. 
Uh, it's Copilot All the Things. There's a summary of what was announced last week at Microsoft Build, Copilot All the Things. So it's in GitHub if you're working there, but it's also across now all of the Power Platform tools, many of the Dynamics 365 tools, all of the Office and Productivity tools across the Security Suite and Windows and other things I've probably forgotten to list, but essentially Copilot is everywhere across the Microsoft stack, even outside of our of our space. So I guess it's the better more question like is a... where. Sorry, isn't... go ahead, Heidi. <laughs> uh, I think the better question is where isn't Copilot in the Microsoft? Where isn't Copilot? I haven't seen it in financial operations. Actually, oh, there you go. To give you no. a serious answer, because my colleagues no. who work in that space keep going. Oh, well, there's in BC, but I haven't yet. Now I, I'm always very careful about. I haven't seen. Do follow this stuff very. Keep up with it. Yeah. So it's more like a brand other than or a more like a feature how do you brand is probably the better way yeah Yeah. brand is the better way to put an icon and that icon is all of those dimensions microsoft copilot with the capital c as the brand but then they also talk about the concept of what they've done essentially anything that is generative ai this idea instead of going out to ai to out to let's bring the, they're calling them foundational large less ai let's bring them your tenant to your environment and then that's a copilot and then they sort of talk about it as it's got that brand but they also it's not t- over it's not it is working side you it's actually a welch brand of hope and sticks um because it because it, it gets used both as the brand name describe the yeah it's Microsoft actually got a really good brand name this time, and so I'm I'm surprised. So I like it a lot because, as you said, it explains it and it's pretty unique. So yeah, it's not the pilot; it's the copilot. It's not autopilot. Uh, oh, oh, all right, all right, right. I haven't followed along with the announcement yet, so yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> Speaking of why you're here, I know we said we wanted to focus on the Power Apps Copilot. So I'm curious, what aspects of the Power Apps Copilot do you think are going to make the biggest impact for me? So with all of this Copilot, they are mostly either just announced. We understand the and most of us haven't got our hands on them yet. Some of them are in preview. Some of them are in gated preview. So right now, at the time that we're having this conversation, the Power Apps Copilot is a gated, which I have been fortunate enough to have a key to the gate. So I've had my hands on it. It's doing some fairly basic things so far. The thing I'm most excited about is the potential for where it's going to go more than the current reality to me is a starting point for what I hope we will see in the future. So what it does right now, there's two parts to Power Apps Copilot. The first one is a maker experience, the Maker Copilot, which is the thing you've probably seen online. It comes up with a box on the screen that says, hi, Lisa, what would you like your app to do? And you go, I would like an app that will track my expenses, please. And then you hit go and it will create a database. So first thing I'm excited about is right hooked into create from the start rather than other data sources will use, often SharePoint, it's landing people right in the heart of Power Platform, the mm-hmm. word go, without them even knowing that, having to understand that. So that's a good limitation. It only creates one. So if you say, I want to create an app that will manage um, car leasing insurance customers, you'll get a table that's like car, make, model, car type, customer, and it will fill the data for you, fill some sample data for you, but it's not 
yet, and I, I'm just going to say yet about everything because all of this is a massive roadmap, most of which hasn't been announced. I'm not promising or knowing anything. It's more just <laughs> I'm anticipating that anything it doesn't do is a not yet scenario because that's the way that AI is going. So it doesn't yet create more, so it creates that one table. So there's still going to be a fair bit of work there. That's not taking any job just yet, but it's lowering that barrier to entry even further down. So that's the part that excites me is that more access for more people. And then you can go, oh, actually change the column, add another column to track the date or whatever. It'll do that for you and add the sample data. And then you click create app and it creates, interestingly, a Canvas app over the top of Dataverse. So they haven't gone with model driven. They've gone with Canvas app and it's a beautiful, fully responsive app using all the fluid components which has, it's very similar to what the Teams, if you ever saw Dataverse for Teams, it's a very similar layout to that with the tablet app with the column down the left-hand side for the, the gallery of the list of items, and then you click on one of them and it opens the screen. So that's what it does in a matter of two or three clicks is a Dataverse. So all of that positioning is interesting. And then the second part of Craps is a, I can't remember called it, but it's for the user experience. And this one's actually sort of uh, that, that one that I've just talked about, I think you can get access right now. The second one is still a gated preview, which is experience of being able to add a component into your app where the user can query the data in natural language and ask questions. So that's like a, a chat kind of functionality inside the app. So that one is, they seem to be on separate development paths. They're quite different things. But again, they're all co-pilots for makers, for users. Yep. That's awesome. I'm excited about it too. I have keys as well, but... I'm not very advanced in my Canvas apping. And I was, I think I was expecting it to be a little bit more mature than it is. Like if I want to build a contact. It builds a brand new contact table. It doesn't bring the out of the box one, but yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I put so out, I put out something into the world into a, a live stream, which I haven't got to yet because life's been lifing for me too. Um, <laughs> so all of those things are, I think when I ask people, what do you want to do? The scenarios they're giving me as examples are much more sophisticated than what that tool is so far, which is good that people wanted the platform. So yeah, it's, I, for me, I'm reading this as a first, a first run at a starting point. What's the representation folks from Microsoft say? In the fullness of time, there will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not even too concerned about, you know, like there's, as I said, I, I'm not I'm not privy to any specific things on the roadmap. Um, it's more just watching the direction of how fast all this has come up. I'm just saying not yet in answer to anything AI, really, because it, it's clear that the capabilities of what it will be able to will happen in the fullness of time, regardless <laughs> of any, regardless of Microsoft announcement priorities. But it's it's clear that we're going down a path of no code, natural language creation of general. Which is an awesome segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about. Um, I've been doing a lot of work on the Power Automate side and I got really excited back, I think it was more than a year ago now, they announced Describe It to Design It. Um, and that, that, functionality was really cool and it was powering natural language that was the figma so this kind of feels like an extension of what they've actually had for like a year and a half or longer so how do you think power automate copilot will take this natural language querying that's been there for a year or two kind of to the next step yes i think uh, you know the other thing that was there i remember at must have been a, i don't know maybe 18 months ago like the one sort of in march 22 when they were telling us about it, what eventually became Power Apps ideas with this idea of 
ideas of ideas, but they, I mean, it's a it's an awkward product name that one. When you go in, you could you could type and it would suggest the formula for you, but it was quite mm-hmm. limited. But that was I remember that was the very first time I heard ChatGPT. I'd never heard of that before. So that's eighteen months ago. I think all of these tools, it feels like they've come out of nowhere, but they have been in the works for a, a, a long time and under the hood for a long time. And I think Microsoft was developing it. There's, Microsoft has got a partnership with OpenAI. Uh, I don't know if this is fairly publicly known, but not everyone makes that connection. OpenAI is the company beneath ChatGPT. And Microsoft has invested like $20 billion or something of R&D. Like there's a very close partnership there. Uh, at Build, the CEO was on stage with them, you know. So there's a so they've they're working on those tools underneath the hood. So yeah, I think all of that stuff they were in the game long before all of all of this. And then I think it's ramped up very quickly because they've been in the game a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of those early pieces, I kind of look to be honest. I look at the thing that was called. Um, I mean, I think the Figma thing is good because that's starting to use different types of AI. But the one where you would just suggest. Like it was meant to suggest a formula for you from natural language inside the Power Apps interface. Maybe they'll, maybe they're still doing that. I don't know, but honestly, that sort of is now completely underwhelming compared to going to ChatGPT and saying, "Write me a formula for for a Canvas app," and it just it does it. So you know, it's nice to have it in context, and that direction is bringing it in. But it almost feels like some of that work was seeding some good things, and some of it's probably been superseded by everything that's gone on in the last mm-hmm. three or four months. All right, my next series of questions. I know you don't have answers, <laughs> but I thought we could talk through some thinking. So, with all of these co-pilots popping up in almost everywhere in Dynamics 65 and all the different areas of the Power Platform, I'm really curious how it's going to act on the back end, right? Like, is everything going into my default solution? Will there be solutions that are generated with each of these co-pilot activities that I'm taking? What publishers used? I mean, I could keep going on with questions, but what are your thoughts around this? Are you having the same? Exactly right. And this is the thing. It's like, let's ask the questions that all of the audience will, including the when and the how much. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm really hoping, and again, this the things that I don't know, sometimes you can assumptions about what you think will happen and sometimes they're wrong. So on this one, given that the starting is it creates a dataverse table, right? That that's that's a lot, right? It's it's actually going in and doing that. All of the direction of the cloud platform with things like managed environments and all those tools are around giving users access premium the right tool, secure, safe, easy way. I would be prized if there wasn't some kind of automatic solution creation going on. As I said, I don't, I don't know, but the direction of how they're putting together all the other things, it would be strange if it just sort of stuck that in a default solution. There seems to be things around, most low-code makers won't necessarily know that, but it just, it, so I'm really hoping rather than knowing that that's what it will do, and I would be surprised if they put something, but I've been surprised. Well, uh, so yeah, let it's, me, so there's me, not information me, that's me. been revealed. <laughs> yes, let me regale you with the tale. This morning I was working on Power Virtual Agents on the preview with Kylie Kaiser and Malcolm McCulley, and we were just playing around with the AI generative bots that you and in tiny little fine print it said that those were going in the default solution file, which blew oh. my mind. It's like why? Wow. Why would you do why that? Would you do that? So, Maybe that's so- Power Virtual Agents, though, doesn't have to work with Dataverse. That's true. So there are people using Power Virtual, whereas the Power Apps Copilot 
by definition, as soon as you hit that button, you're using Dataverse. They've set it up that the maker experience goes straight to Dataverse. I'm an optimist, Heidi. I like it. it. (laughs) That doesn't mean I'm correct. Lisa says we'll have solution awareness. awareness. (laughs) I'm going to have to really hope I'm right about this. I do too. Um, But I think the fact that it goes straight to Dataverse is why I'm seeing a certain thing there, whereas Power Virtual Agents doesn't necessarily use Dataverse. If you're just hooking it up to your website, it's not, it's not the same as creating an app that starts with a Dataverse table in terms of the pieces underneath. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And in terms of when and how much, we don't know and we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but those are, the, those are the questions most people want to ask most of the time. Yes, I'm asking them too. Um, so back in March, we had all of these amazing co-pilot announcements. And I think everyone was talking about the Power Apps co-pilot because that's the one that got the spotlight on the stage. They had the demos. Everyone was talking about it. But then with Build last week, the focus was completely on the Power Pages co-pilot and the Power Virtual Agents. So they're all the buzz now. Which co-pilot are you most excited for to reach GA? I'm actually most excited about the Power Virtual Agents one, to be honest, because it feels a bit like, you know, we have all these lovely icons in the stack and Power Apps and Power Automate tend to dominate the conversation and dominate, you know, the 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 community and the, the work and so on. I was on to Power Virtual Agents as my favourite fairly early and then now I, I mostly do things with, with Power Apps, but I feel like Power Virtual Agents has now just stepped it up several notches again in its place in the in the team there. So... The thing that changes it, there's two things going on. One that was announced at Build is around being able to use connectors, plugins to other systems, including the Power Platform connectors. So there's your connector reference now. You might have missed one earlier, but we can go there. So that was um, generative answers. So that idea of being able to, so firstly, Copilot in Power Virtual Agents will allow you to just point your bot at a website and done. So you've always been able to do that and it would do suggested topics and build the topics. This is actually now more like just going, that website, chatbot done, doesn't even build the topics anymore. It just works with that. And then the thing they announced at Build, which I haven't had a chance to play with yet, is that you can point it to your document library. So this is huge, right? Now we can point a chatbot. And I don't know how deep it will go, but again, however deep it goes now, it's going to get better because that's what's going on with this technology but you point it to your internal document library. Now you've instantly, in a matter of two clicks, got a chatbot that's talking to your documents and finding things. So that's pretty amazing. But then this piece about the generative answers where you can have plugins or you can use Power Platform connectors to connect to your other systems. So some of the demos they showed last week, again, you don't even have to build out the conversation topics anymore. You're just going please connect with a plug into my booking system or my, mm-hmm. you know, whatever other system you've got and it's ready to go. So that just got very interesting very, very quickly. Yeah, I wonder if that's going to become kind of the gateway for people coming into the Power Platform in the future because I feel like that's not. It's like an afterthought. It's the mature implementations, then maybe we'll talk about this. So that could be really interesting. Yeah, and look, Power Pages one looks good as well. I don't want to under um, underestimate that. It's it's not an area that I've done a lot with, but again, that natural language experience of create me a website that does X Y Z, and it will find the right 
layout for that scenario and, and create the starting point. So all of these tools at the moment are very focused on, and I think they always will be, you don't have to start with a blank page for anything anymore. And same with the stuff across the Office 365 suite. Honestly, the thing I'm really the most excited about is create me a PowerPoint deck based on that Word document I did, right? Oh, wow. Yes, please. <laughs> so all of these tools are about you don't have to start with a blank page. So that concept of create a Power Pages website for me. I want this. Here's your starting point. Create an app for me. Here's your starting point. Describe the flow you want. Here it is. So it's, it's, it's taking that big first step of I'm sitting at a blank page and what do I do? Handing that over to the AI to do that first, first draft of all the things, essentially. A blank page can be pretty intimidating. So yeah, that's that's a good thing. And pointing back to Power Pages, I've always enjoyed those starter templates, I think they're called, where you can have like, okay, here's a partner page where if you want to expose opportunities, here are customer service, if you want to expose cases, here are this or that. So this really takes those examples that they're no different from the blank. It's just that you don't have to do it. Yeah, so this exactly is, right. It's templates at the next level, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So now you explain the template and we will generate the template for you. Then off you go. So, yeah. That's My other favorite thing that people say is, oh, it's like Clippy, but it works. Do we remember Clippy? <laughs> yes. We, <laughs> I'm old uh, enough to have remembered Clippy. Yeah. It looks like yeah. you're trying to write a document. Would you like some help with that? Uh, it actually is doing, uh, and, and I know that's kind of, a silly thing to say but actually it's not completely wrong <laughs> i kind of wish they'd bring clippy back i mean i do like copilot as a brand but can you imagine can you imagine if they'd launch like clippy v2.0 or something <laughs> that would have been a good scenario so so you had a video where you explained the, the top 10 dynamic scenarios for copilot what what was the highlight in that video for you for me the stuff that allows natural language searching so this is coming through into customer insights and into some of the other sort of marketing pieces to be able to create segments and to be able to do natural language queries so that other copilot component we we're talking about before because i think of all of the things that allow us as makers to create more easily that's all very exciting but I have for years and years and years tried to teach people how to search a database. And for the vast majority of users, those of us who aren't technical people, they the concept of querying a database and saying this and that or that, but not this, and understanding how to navigate the fields or the columns yeah. is honestly beyond either the skill or interest or patience of most users. Like it really is. And then especially now that most people are accustomed to keyword searching and we've got the keyword searching in there and that's great. The skill of doing an actual database query is, is even less than it used to be. So for me, these natural language tools that now mean anyone can find what they're looking for in their own data without needing that skill or patience or whatever, that's the piece that I'm most interested in because I think that, again, I'm really interested in the pieces that open up more things to more people, which is also what this is all about. So that one doesn't feel like an immediate highlight, but just my experience of years and years and years of trying to teach search and Boolean logic and queries and just yeah. kind of going, it shouldn't be that hard for people to have to find their data. And I know those of us who work with databases don't necessarily find that stuff hard, but everyday users, it's not, there, it's not the way they think and it's not the way they should need to think. 
uh, in Power Platform, it's called Advanced Fine. Advanced Fine, that's the one. <laughs> it, it is advanced. So hopefully then, if I, I, I get to guess then or elaborate, I'm hoping that the relevant search in the top one then gets sort of one more. So we had category search before, right? And now it's called relevant search. So hopefully power-ups for the users that you talked about on the Canvas apps show up there so you can query the data inside your dataverse using natural language then. Now so, that's not even a hopefully that one was announced that's in there. That was a bit of a very deep announcement because it wasn't, they didn't go copilot thing, like it wasn't announced as a big like this is there for Dynamics. And in fact, Dynamics 365 barely got a mention at build, but in one of the app sections and in the latest video I did, I actually did get the screenshot of this. They show a model-driven app with that component down the right-hand side. So your wish Mm. is not a wish it's coming <laughs> but, yeah and i expect obviously then that is you know that's in the dynamic they didn't show it with dynamics but they've shown it in a model driven app so conceptually i'm pretty confident in saying you're gonna you're gonna might you get your wish there yeah well if it's in power platform then it's in dynamics crm right so yeah yeah and it was a blink if it's a blink and you'll miss it because there are so many announcements yeah. and it's not it was sort of inside another session. There were some Viva sales announcements as well with Dynamics inside one of the other sort of main Microsoft 365 keynotes because they're going, oh, here it is in Word, and now I can get data from my CRM and with Viva sales. But it wasn't, you know, you sort of no, sometimes okay. these announcements are a bit in the flow of some other fabulous demos in some other session and you go, wait, hang, hang on a second. What did you just <laughs> show right there? Pause. <laughs> that, that, that's important to me. Yeah, and then I tried to look for the book of news, but I couldn't see it there. Perhaps I missed it, but but the book, book of, of news, news is goes very really much high the, level. Much yeah. yeah, yeah, the kind of the oh, the five seconds and you'll miss it screenshot of. By the way, you can also have this in a model driven uh, app and uh, moving right along doesn't make the book of news. They're no, often in no. demos, like the demo story is constructed that includes a certain path and that gets highlighted. And if you're interested in that space, it matters a lot. But it's not book like book of news is Windows Copilot, like changing yeah. the world yeah. with having a copilot in Windows and plugins for virtual agents. And so those really big headline announcements make the book of news. Uh, but there's often there's often good little things in the detail of the demos that they that they show. For those with limited time, the book of news is is a good summary that you can sort of skim through so you didn't miss the the most important part from Microsoft's point of view. If we broaden this discussion down to a bit broader AI, what's the best scenario you've seen AI used in? So I've been playing around with it and um, I should clarify here that all of the co-pilot stuff is not available to most of us yet. Yeah. So I have had access to previews of the Power Virtual Agents, some of those things, and Power Apps, some of those things, but most of the rest of it, uh, as much as I'm making videos, I'm largely using screenshots from Microsoft events to talk to the concepts at this point. Um, but ChatGPT is real and, and, you know, I think all of us who work in this space, in any space really, you can't ignore these tools. So I've been playing around with these things. So my favourite scenario that I've worked on so far is taking a document of customer requirements and extracting certain things from it to save time. So please find all of the use cases in here, the scenarios in here that might need a notification, for instance, and 
them to say, and there's some of this stuff that I'm starting to learn more about with how to prompt correctly. So being able to say, you are a dynamics consultant, you are working with a client in this industry, this is the concept of what I'm about to show you, you are uh, you're working with Power Automate and Dynamics 365 as the solution components, please read the following paragraphs of information and extract any use cases for whatever it is or extract those things. Present it to me as a table with mm. the story, the solution, and the estimated effort to build those things. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. going to try that. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> I'm going to try that with something I've already done and compare it with what I created. Yeah, and look, this is what we have to do because I think wow. what I find when I talk about AI that the world falls into three different camps. There is people who do what you just did. Wow, that's amazing. I have to try it. This is incredible. There are people who are like, I'm so sick of talking about AI. Can I just not, can I ignore this, please? And then there are, but what about my job? Which is a perfectly mm-hmm. valid concern. And and so when I talk to consultants about that kind of thing, you can see them going, uh. And so I did actually sort of go, does anyone love, passionately love writing user stories? Like, is that your, if that's your passion, then you might want to think about what these tools are going to do for you. But what if you could write the user stories in half an hour instead of three hours, and then you could spend more time being across other things you could suggest or advise or do, or that you could do a bet, you know, the concept here, if we do it right, and I, you know, look, who knows, but that we do the more interesting work than the documentation, but I don't enjoy doing documentation. So for me, that stuff, you have to check it. We'll come to this, but you do have to, what it did was gave me an 80% starting point. So again, I still needed to put my human effort over it. It doesn't think creatively in the way that I wanted it to. I'm not saying it can't, maybe my prompts weren't good enough, but for instance, it gave me email notifications for all the things. I don't recommend email notifications for all the things. Sometimes a dashboard is better. A filtered view is better. A Teams notification. So, but it still helped me identify them and describe them in a way that meant I didn't. And I did a scan and I scanned the document back. Like I'm still putting my human brain over it. But I did the job in an hour instead of three. So it just it just kind of speeds up that process a lot and takes a lot of that initial grunt work out of it um but yeah you can't you can't hand off you know I have I have spoken to customers a lot about this who are like oh yeah we had someone go out and do some research with it and it came back with things that were just wrong and if you're not if you don't sense check it then you you, you can't just you can't it's not an autopilot even even with this stuff like it will give you the starting point but you do have to understand what you're asking if you're not asking the right question you also won't get the right answer out of it so mm. I don't think this is replacing any of us yet but it should be enhancing and speeding up certain parts of our jobs already I made a short session on my company then I discussed a little bit about what is this generative technology and it doesn't really know languages it's no statistics how words are supposed to come but it doesn't know true or false. It doesn't know how to lie. It doesn't know English. It's just very good at saying words should come in this order. And that's what it does. Probably better than me. It's a predictive it's a predictive model. So that's that's actually a really, really good point. It doesn't know stuff. It is predicting based on having been trained on all the language models what word will come next. 
what's doing. <laughs> so you have seen any other perhaps worst or most amusing scenarios scenes yeah. for AI then? So we need to talk about hallucinations <laughs> because it is very convincing in making you think that it knows what it's talking about. So your point there that it is a language model that's just predicting the next word is the reality of what it's doing, but it's very convincing. So I did a, uh, a video where I was testing this out actually alongside uh, Bing in the very early days because there's a relationship here with, with Bing and ChatGPT and things going on as well. So you can have this in the context of your search. So I was recording a video where I was fishing to sort of go, oh, you know, how would I build an asset management app in, in Power Apps? Because, you know, I had a video on that. I was saying if I would find my stuff. Of course, it didn't because it wasn't super current with things, but it listed out some different things. And one of them, I just sort of went, oh, that looks solid. I clicked on it and it was actually a barhead video from where I, like, from where I work. <laughs> we had done an asset management app and a video maybe like, I don't know, three years ago, it was three or four years ago, it was kind of from long enough ago, early Power Platform days that I'd forgotten about it. And so I was like, oh, I found our video. That's hilarious. And so then there's a generative AI tool in the side that you can compose an email. So I won't write an email to my boss, Ken, saying that I accidentally found our video while I was doing something. Now, you might spot there what I did wrong in prompting the question, Tell my boss that, that it found our video. I didn't give it any other context. I assumed it understood the context of the previous conversation and what yeah. was on the screen, and it didn't. Next thing we know, it's writing an email saying, um, hey, this is embarrassing, but it found the video from our company retreat where we were dressed as superheroes singing <laughs> We Are the Champions. And here is a Google link drive, and the video is on YouTube. I accidentally uploaded it to YouTube, and it has 10,000 views. Sitting there just going, I know that none of that happened. Like, we have not had a company retreat. I have not dressed as a superhero. We did have a karaoke night, but, but <laughs> and also I use Google Drive. And so that link can't be anything. But even sitting there knowing for sure that all of that was nothing, I still had a moment of going, What's going on? <laughs> so it hallucinates, like, it, it will make up something plausible and real. And so then if you're in a business context or using those things, I mean, that was a bit of fun of no consequence, but it's still that moment of just going, I know that that's not real. And yet it sounds so convincing, yeah. including a link to a Google drive. I don't <laughs> use, I didn't click on the link, <laughs> but it's very, um, you know, it's very convincing in the hallucinations. And so this is something, if you're in this space, that's the, the term that's used for it. Um, that you'll find countless stories out there of it doing that. And so if you are asking it to make recommendations or do research or whatever and you're doing client work, you should be sense-checking and fact-checking. And then back to Copilot, the benefit of it coming in through Copilot with the Microsoft tools is that it's giving you references to everything. So if it's asking you to, if it's asking to summarise a Teams meeting, it will give you a reference to where it found that in the transcript. So once you're bringing it inside the Microsoft tools with Copilot, it's being accountable in a different way that you can go, that doesn't seem right. Where has it got that from? Oh, I see where the misunderstanding is. Or, oh, no, actually that is factually correct. So that idea of in the Microsoft tools having the references, I really like because you do still have to check it, but it's a little more transparent and accountable than 
than just kind of doing random chats. So just beware of the hallucinations, folks. <laughs> I mean, it's entertaining, but but don't get caught by that. I should label all my bugs as hallucinations from now on. <laughs> <laughs> A hallucination report. All right. Yeah. <laughs> In in this scenario that I talked to my colleagues, I named three things that you should never talk to Chat GPT and OpenAI about. Because once you sign up as a private individual, you have this note that everything that you prompt it will, it will train on that data. So I tell, told everyone that don't enter personal identification numbers or anything that you can identify anyone with. Because if you train it and and send it over internet that's yeah. not a good thing i shouldn't have used my social security and my mother's name in that last <laughs> chat shoot yeah. what what was the first pet's name yeah. um, i think that's a really good point actually because and especially if we're talking about using it for customer scenarios here you want to be really careful that you're not putting anything that is confidential like you know yeah. doing things yeah. that allow you to extract stuff that you do not want to put any confidential information in there because it's public and again the difference between a public service like that and using the tools in the Microsoft platform. So once this starts to come into Copilot, so Copilot in Word, Copilot in Windows, it's going to bring that concept into your tenant and then you've got security. Then that is not training, retraining the model, not training the public data. It's operating in the context of everything you're doing in your tenant, but it's secure. So it brings it to you into your secure environment to work with. So that will be a complete change in what's sensible to do whereas you're absolutely right don't go putting yeah. anything yeah. confidential or personal out onto the public chat gpt thing yes yeah. i have just asked chat pt chat gpt to to what question can i ask lisa that makes me sound smart about copilot and power apps so oh, what did it give so you? here is what it says Lisa, I've been exploring PowerApps Copilot and its AI-powered capabilities. I'm particularly interested in how Copilot leverages natural language processing and machine learning to assist with code generation. Could you pro provide some insights into the underlying algorithms or models used by Copilot to achieve this intelligent code suggestion and completion? Wow, that's quite a question, Heidi. Nice. <laughs> you want to go, nice. make it simpler. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, it's using the same model that it used to generate that question for you. <laughs> right? So is it Ooh. using OpenAI's model or does Microsoft have a separate model that based on the same sort of technology? I believe it's the I believe it's the I believe it's the same foundational model. Okay. I I'm not 100% sure about that, but I believe it is the the same foundational model. Okay. And this is the yeah, other terminology. Yeah. I'm starting to learn all the terminology. Foundational model is, is what they kept saying it builds. Ah. So I'm all, all over ah. that now. Foundational model is, the, is the, the, the large language model is the piece that's underneath. Yeah. Um, they, haven't, they haven't called out which version or specifically what that I've seen, but I'm assuming it must be the same, the same thing. Yeah, I think Microsoft owns 39% of OpenAI now. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And it's hosted on Azure, so it's... Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so I think they... Uh, uh, I think they're good with using that, and I think they've got a good price on that. So, yeah, hopefully. Uh, all right, then. So uh, where do I go if I want to know more, Lisa? Well, you can subscribe and like on my YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, of course so, yes, we I will. I have a, a fledgling little YouTube channel that's... Um, 
that's something I started during in the pandemic to keep myself sane that has now gone a little bit out of control in a really cool, fun way. So I'm just totally rolling with being a YouTuber now. So yes, I, I am doing a lot of updates um, on this there because I'm finding it interesting and I'm getting a lot of questions and interaction and engagement on those videos. So I uh, am committing to, as as I get my hands on things and as I find out more, sort of creating other other little videos um, there. I'm also mostly on LinkedIn. I, I am on some other socials, but LinkedIn is where I'm most active and uh, fairly easy to find by my name there. Yeah. So it's at least a crossbow on YouTube then? Yes. Yeah. Nice. So... So are you now then the Lisa AI Crosby like emojis <laughs> Meg? It's a, it's a, I don't know. I'm not going to contrive my own nickname but No, no, no. All right. So you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here. Uh, honestly, we go where the world takes us and the world seems to be taking me into talking about this right now and it's good fun, so I'm just rolling with it. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen some of your videos and they're really good, so I'm enjoying it a lot and learning a lot from you, so keep it up. Uh, do you have any public speaking scheduled? Oh, the big one is going to be the Microsoft Power Platform Conference in Vegas in October. I get to meet you in real life. Yeah, yeah, Yay. I'll be there. <laughs> I will be there. I'll be very... So I was lucky enough to get to go to the first one in Orlando last year. This one is going to be about double the size, I think. Um, I have never been to the big Vegas conference before because the point at which I was in a position to do that was when the world shut down. So this will be my first Vegas experience. So I'll be running a workshop there and uh, hopefully another session, which I'm not sure has been announced yet. So we'll watch this space, but something exciting I've got going on there. But I'm definitely going to that and definitely speaking there. Yeah, nice one. Uh, who would you recommend as a future guest on this podcast? Oh, good question. Um, I assume you've spoken to my friend, uh, my friend Megan, already about things. She's doing some really cool stuff in the marketing space now. She's really deep diving into mm. Dynamics marketing. So Megan B. Walker. So she and I used to do a podcast together and we've pivoted in our own our own directions and different focuses. We're still good. We're still good friends. But she's been doing like a regular newsletter and she's gone really deep dive and she's very good when she does that deep dive. Like she did a whole lot of stuff on it was Forms Pro back in the day and then Customer Voice, but she's now dedicating a lot of effort into real-time marketing. So if uh, if you're not well across real-time marketing, she's she's become she's got a lot of content a lot of good stuff around around that so sorry megan i'm dobbing you in again <laughs> i am sorry to say that uh, the up podcast uh, did retire uh because i enjoyed that one as well so yeah i think i'm pretty sure i listened to every episode but uh, yeah <laughs> Oh, look, we yeah. had a lot of fun doing that. And again, that came out of the pandemic in a place and time yeah. that we both yeah. needed it. We had a wonderful experience and a wonderful audience. And then it just reached a point where we sort of just, it just wasn't, we didn't have the enthusiasm yeah. for it the way we used to. And we had our other things going on. And I think it's, if you co-create, I mean, you guys are co-creating, you co-create with someone, you have to both have the energy and commitment to doing it. We did it for two years and it was amazing. Yeah. And I'm so glad we did. And it's also good to be able to call out to go, do you know what, let's just, let's rule a line under that and and agree that it was fabulous and not push it past the point where it's not really what we're into anymore. So, yeah, but I do miss it as well. I did yeah. love doing that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, all right then. So thank you for your participation in CRM Works, Lisa Crosby. 
Thank you for having me. That's where the listeners can find Lisa. Where can they find us? Uh, you can t- tweet us, like Marcus said earlier. We're both on Twitter. You can hashtag CRM Rocks there. We're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. So find us on any of the social channels. Yeah. So thank you for your participation and see you next time on CRM Rocks. <laughs>